Green Lantern. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to everyone in the lobby. Get in here, please. <laughs> need to turn those lights on off like the theater. Uh, welcome to Genesis. Let's stand and worship.
our heads and pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for our time together. We're so thankful that we can come into your presence as a group in one mind and one accord, Father, leaving all of our worries behind for about an hour and just focusing on you. Father, we invite you here this morning. Pray that you would be with us and minister to us. We love you and we thank you and we welcome you here today. In Jesus' name.
Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Sam and this is Ruth. And we are here to do testimony time with you. So God sightings, where you have seen God this week, big, small, in between. Um, I do want to start off by saying that I see God in my mom, who is so wonderful with my children. And I'm so thankful that she watches them while I'm at work. Um, that's why this one is clinging to me right now, because I'm back to work as a teacher. Um, so I'm just really thankful for her. She's awesome. So thank you, God, for my mom. Anybody else? Hi, I'm Sharon, and um, some of you know I'm an environmental justice activist, and we've had some meetings this month down in the Pole Town area related to a hazardous waste facility that's closed because of a lot of violations. People are pretty angry and upset. So who did they ask to moderate the community meeting? Moi. And I was super anxious, so I called in my prayer partners from DR Congo, Bulgaria, Texas, Boston, Michigan, and um, it went amazing. The, the people who had been most contentious, rude, and disruptive in past meetings sat near the front, front and behaved like perfect angels. So I take that as a God sighting. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Anybody else? All right. No, it's okay. You know, get I'm Katie. So something big this week for me was, so I'm also a teacher. I started a new school last um, fall, and it just was not what I expected. The culture was really difficult to work in. And so my brother called me and was like, Katie, we had a third grade teacher not show up for the first day of school. There's no teacher in there. Would you be able to come in? And I was co-teaching in the beginning of the year, and I just feel like I'm someone who would never leave in the beginning of the year, but I feel like God had this, right? My co-teacher who was taken out of the classroom stepped back into the classroom. She's fully going to be able to transition in very smoothly. The kids already know her, and I'm going to be able to step into a school that'll just be more of a fit. And I just feel like, oh my gosh, it could not have been a smoother transition. And so I thank God for providing those people for that transition. Any others? All right, thanks, everybody. Let's stand one more time if you're able. Do one more song.
Hello to you too.
song isn't on the screen, but it's an old song, and we've done it several times. And it goes along with, with this song that we just sang. So if you know it, sing along. We'll do it a couple times until you get the hang of it. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the We get to get thank you marty and our worship band <laughs> good morning everyone my name is jerry gaskell and i have just a few announcements for you bear with me there are, few, there are more than a few um thank you for joining us this morning we're so glad that you're here with us both online and in person uh, please take a moment to let us know that you're here by filling out the uh, either the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card that's in your pew in front of you. If you are new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, to 9400. That's new to Genesis to 94,000. Thank you for approving our 2023 budget. We are a nonprofit 
uh, and function through the gifts of this community. Thank you to all who give online or through text or in person. You can place your physical green card or your offering in the wooden box that's at the back of the sanctuary. We want to change the world through creating spaces of belonging, through helping individuals identify and develop their calling, and through taking action for the good of others. One space for belonging uh, that we create each first Sunday of the month uh, will be happening on Sunday, October 1st. We will be eating together um, after our worship gathering. And again, we do this on the first Sunday every month. Um, so please plan to stay with us on October 1st after our service. Our theme for the meal will be, will it taco? <laughs> so <laughs> bring something that uh, will taco. For example, Isaac, will potato salad taco? Can it go into a taco? They say yes, but I'm gonna say no. <laughs> Probably not potato salad. <laughs> Korean barbecue, will that taco? Yes. <laughs> Jello, Julian, what do you think? Will that taco? He says yes, but I'm gonna say no again on that one. <laughs> All the regular taco fixings, yes, that will taco. So use your judgment, bring something that will taco. Join us on Sunday, October 1st. Um, an opportunity to- we will have a practice, um, hearing from God practice on Saturday, October 14th from 9 to hey, 10 mama. a.m. So join us as we playfully and practically learn to pay attention to the voice of God. We know that this can sound very intimidating and new, but we will uh, be sharing simple practices of listening and making space to experiment. You can do this. We will have coffee and donuts ready, and that's enough to get me somewhere on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> um, at Genesis, like we've said, we love to create spaces for belonging, and to do this, we, need, we do need some help. This space, Church on Sunday, is one of the spaces of belonging, and um, we do need your help. We are looking for Sunday morning hospitality volunteers. That means helping with coffee, greeting, or... Um, as an usher on Sunday morning, we are looking to fill five to eight roles uh, once a month for ho the hospita hospitality volunteer spots. If you're willing or interested, please come and talk to me right now during connection time, and I'll get your uh, name and your information. It's kind of fun, I think, greeting people. So if you're interested in stuff like that, let, uh, and making coffee too, that's fun. Um, but come talk to me right now during connection time. If you are in middle school, you guys can be released. And then if everyone else who's staying in the sanctuary, uh, please stand up and welcome those around you. Come find me if you want to volunteer. Hey, still have a good morning.
No, ma'am. We don't shake inside.
Well, good morning, church. Welcome again. So glad you're here. I'm impressed with this full row, right? You filled, that's like efficient seating here in the church. (laughs) But good morning. Uh, This morning, Amanda Hines is going to be teaching this morning, and we're so excited. So Amanda is a long-time family member, community member. She's been on the Genesis staff for ages. She has taught our, is it Uh, fifth to seventh graders, fourth to fifth graders, fourth and fifth graders, a master's level class upstairs with those kids. These kids know it all. And we are like, Amanda, we need some of that down here. And so um, she has reluctantly, she reluctantly always says yes. She listens to God and um, she loves to teach. And we're excited that she's going to be sharing what God has been um, just impressing upon her today. So, Amanda, thank you. And in order to kind of step us off today and to launch us in, just have like a a video to kind of prep the the teaching today. It's four minutes. The teacher's uh, a man by the name of Shane Willard. And so we'll watch this together, and then Amanda is going to step up and, and help today and teach us. Sound good? Glad you're here. Okay. Sometimes we can lend ourselves the idea that God is just a larger version of me. <laughs> and he yeah. just happens to agree with me yeah. all the time. He's yeah. great like that. Yes. Yeah. If, 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 <laughs> I, if have I, we created him in our image? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what was the ACDC song, Who Made Who, right? It's, it's the, it's the, the if, if God is a giant version of us, which is interesting, in the Western world, God is always taken on human characteristics because we're obviously we're obviously human but in leviticus it says it's an abomination to put any human characteristic on god Mm. and so but i don't know any other way around it in our imagination it's 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 hard to do it but but if we were a cow we would think god was a giant cow if we were if if we were if we were a lion we'd think god was just a bigger version and and the truth of it is is some of the more primitive ancient religions that's why some of their gods have lots of arms because the idea was was that god couldn't possibly hold all this together with two hands like i have so he must have eight right, right. and so and so what we do very practical yeah incredibly practical <laughs> imagine actually. eight if you, hands if you yeah imagine what i could do you could do so much you could do so much with eight <laughs> hands eight hands would make you unbelievable and 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 so what we do is we we then, I think a good way to say it is, is that in most cases, we see God as a projection. Yeah. But God is best spoke of as a projectile. Right. One that cuts through all things and is holding all things together and, and, is, and is insisting and active and participating in the human struggle. That's a better way. And so one of the things you say a lot, and, and I allude to something similar when I pray, like you say a lot, a good sermon is not meant to be agreed with, but wrestled with. 100%. And every time I, I preach the word, I say, I, I pray a very simple prayer um, that we give the words proper place. We give it authority, mm. place ourselves under it. Mm. And so in one sense, if we're not being challenged mm. when we read the scriptures and the Holy Spirit touches something in our heart, yeah. maybe we're making him into our own version. Yeah, we're just speaking of, we're, we're saying God, Jesus, Bible, scripture, truth. 
but what we just mean is ourself with a giant megaphone <laughs> or in all caps. And you're 100% right all of the time. Yeah, like if you can read it, <laughs> if you can read a scripture and your only thought is that's right. If you read, if you read the scriptures every day for 30 days and you never have a thought other than that's right, chances are you're projecting, Ooh. right? Come on. Like, come on now. So <laughs> whereas, whereas now I, I would make one exception to that with preaching. Sometimes good preaching is declarations. Yeah. And declarations are meant to be agreed with or disagreed with. Right. Like, come on, folks, Christ, Christ is at the center. That's a declaration. And I should go yes or no, but hopefully yes. Yeah. Yes and amen. So declarations are meant to be agreed with or disagreed with. Sermons are meant to be wrestled with. And good preaching is a decent mix of both of those. Wow. So the parts of preaching that are sermons should be wrestled with. The parts of preaching that are, are declarations should be agreed or disagreed with. Um, and, and this is a guess. Don't hold me to this. But um, if you look through all of Jesus's preaching, it's probably 90-10 sermon to declaration. Mm. Um, Jesus seemed more concerned with meeting people where they thought he was. So like even on big things like what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, and Jesus is like, like of all the questions mm. he should have been, let me give you the three steps, right? He goes, I don't know. How do you read it? In yeah. other words, I don't know where you are enough to answer that. I need you to tell me where you are and I'll meet you right where you are. Right? Yeah. And, um, and then, and then he would give them stuff to wrestle with like the parables. I, I love the parables. Cause mm. if you, if you look at the parables from a Hebraic perspective, there's always someone asking a question and Jesus is answering that question with a parable mm. that forces the askers, asker or askers, to find themselves in the narrative and wrestle with the implications. Yeah. Are, are you the prodigal son or are you the older yeah. brother? Yes. 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 <laughs> are, are, are you, are you, um, um, what would your response be to one sheep leaving? Mm. Um, or remember the guy that um, um, he comes to Jesus and goes, would you use your authority to tell my brother to divide the inheritance more equitably. Yeah. And Jesus goes, what's that got to do with me? Mm. I'm bored with that. Like the, my problem is, is the belief system that you think more stuff makes your life more valuable. And so then he tells a parable and he, he does Hebrew Kung Fu on him. He, he, no, most Hebrew parables have three or four characters, four types of ground, three characters, and you get to choose. You get to wrestle with where you are, mm. right? Not that one. That one had one character. <laughs> And he's called a fool, <laughs> right? In other words, Jesus is like, anybody that thinks this way, there's no way for me to frame this other than to tell you how a fool lives his life. Mm. A fool lives his life building bigger barns instead of examining how he can use his excess to share with and make other people's lives better. Mm. And, and this, that's not a declaration. That's a sermon that would have required that guy to go, who am I in the story and what do I do with this? And there's only one character. There's no wiggle room. When here. there's only one character, that <laughs> is absolute rabbinical kung fu. Good morning. Good morning. I probably should have timed that better and, you know, walked up here as he was finishing. Um, like Bo said, um, my name is Amanda Hines, and I'm so grateful to be here with you today. I am super nervous, just in case you didn't know. Um, but the man um, on your left is Shane Willard. He's one of my favorite teachers. If you've heard me 
talk, you've heard me talk about Shane Willard, um, because I like the way he, um, makes it palatable where I can understand. Bringing, bringing in, you know, historical context and, you know, things like that so that I can understand. And the Bible just becomes bigger. So, as he said, um, we've been going through different parables. This is my segue. Um, and so we're going to talk today about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, which is found in Matthew 18th chapter. Now, remember that a parable, to listen to a parable, to read a parable is active listening. You are supposed to look for yourself in this story. So Matthew 18, we find Peter asking a question. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. For clarification, that's millions. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a few thousand, a few thousand. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. Have you heard that before? He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay his debt. Now the uncomfortable question is, do you see yourself in this story? Unfortunately, I did. It wasn't the king, and it wasn't the second servant. The first thing that struck me was um, the desire for set parameters, a checklist, so to speak, you know, a checklist that we Christians like to have. I went to church. I pray this amount of time. Um, I read my Bible for this amount of time. I don't do this, 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 and this, and this. Similar to the laws that the Jews had. Remember the woman caught in adultery? The law said to stone her, but Jesus didn't. He didn't reject the law, but he had authority, so he supplemented it, teaching us to fulfill scripture by doing unto others as we want them to do unto us. Because having Christian checklists keeps us the center. We're worried about us. Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? Leaving little room for mercy and compassion. 
The other thing that struck me was the zero to 10 response. I mean, he went David Banner to Hulk, like pretty quick. I mean, he just, uh, seriously, he just went up, just, okay. What, what made him react so violently? Was there a story between the two? Was there a past? Was there something going on that we don't know about? Or did he see that servant and think, that's the response that I should have gotten. That's the justice I should have gotten from the king. Or did he have malicious intent in his heart when he pleaded for mercy? Like he really didn't mean it. He was just trying to get out of it. And he thought that the servant, the other servant had the same in his heart. Or this is the part that kind of hit me. Or did he just believe that he was the only one deserving of mercy? Desiring mercy for ourselves and not others is a theme in another book in the Bible that we will travel to today. We're gonna to travel back to Jonah. In the book of Jonah, God asked him to go to the land of Nineveh and deliver a message. Now to set this up, the Ninevites, or Nineveh, was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And they were well known for their cruelty. I mean, these people were very cruel. Um, if, you, if you look into it, there's some horrific things. I won't go into everything, but I will tell you that they mastered the art of skinning someone while keeping them alive. Um, they impaled people. All of these things they did, and they reveled in it. They went so far as to um, create tablets, to chisel tablets, depicting their torture so they could send it to the next city that they were going to invade. And these are the people that God sent Jonah to deliver a message to. Not to mention, the Assyrians had invaded Judah. They had invaded Jonah's hometown, so he had bore witness to the things that they had done because they were done to his family, they were done to his friends. Side note, um, that also that invasion into Israel is what led to the forced offspring of the Samaritan people. That's why they were treated so badly um, in the New Testament, and, you know, by the Jews because they weren't considered, I mean, their existence was a triggering traumatic response by the Israelites. It's also why Jesus always included them. He included them and made a point to show other people that if you think someone is not worthy of me, those are the people that I want to be with because Jesus is awesome. All right, so back to Jonah. God told Jonah to go. Jonah said, no, thank you. And then hopped on a ship um, with some pagan soldiers, um, with some pagan sailors. Now, I say pagan because that's, that winds up being important. The fact that, okay, sorry. A storm came and threatened to sink the ship. Jonah told the crew that the storm was his fault and they should throw him overboard if they wanted to live. The sailors declined to do that and they threw their cargo over instead. Apparently, the, the pagans cared more about people than God's own prophet. Eventually, Jonah ends up overboard, 
and when the storm immediately calmed, the pagans turned their life to God. Look at God work. He's, he's just so awesome. God saved Jonah from drowning, and in the belly of the whale, Jonah cries out to God for forgiveness and mercy for his disobedience. And God being God, forgave him and showed him mercy. If you read chapter two of Jonah, um, you'll see the beautiful, fervent prayer that Jonah prayed. I mean, the, the, the passion and the conviction just kind of jumps off the page at you. But it was a long walk to Nineveh. So after he is, you know, spewed onto the dry land on a road near Nineveh, he has to walk to Nineveh. And the mind is a battlefield. So I imagine that what the Assyrians had done was playing on a loop in his head. And by the time he got there, he was good and frothy again. But in his defense, his emotions were valid. So here's Jonah's entire sermon to the Ninevite people. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Mic drop. That was it. And he left. You see, Jonah was obedient without empathy or mercy. He didn't get the Ninevites a why, a how, or a pathway to redemption because he wanted God to destroy them. However, his plan backfires because the king heard about it and he commanded everyone to repent. Everybody in Nineveh from the greatest to the least repented. It says that the, the king fell into the dirt. His grief was so much. They even made the animals fast. He's like, from everybody, all of us, hopefully God won't destroy us. And God didn't. He saw that they had turned from their wicked way and he forgave them. Now, if you pause there, thinking about all of that, it doesn't seem fair on one hand, but God's thoughts are higher than ours. His plan is for all of us. What's happening confronts the idea that God wants to destroy the people that we deem wicked. If you're paying attention, maybe you've started to find yourself in this story. How often do we label a person we disagree with as an enemy of God instead of seeing God's love for them? Too often, we want mercy for ourselves and justice for others. Did God show mercy to Jonah? Yes, he did. Just like the king showed the first servant. Although Jonah wanted God to do the choking. Just wanted them to destroy him instead of being compassionate. We find Jonah's reaction to God's more merciful approach in chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. 
and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Okay, we're gonna pause right there. Are you hearing what Jonah is saying? I am angry with you because you are good. And it makes me angry you are good. Now we want him to be good for us. We want him to be good to us. But we don't want him to be good to the people that we don't like. We don't want that. Yes, if you don't like someone, I'm quite sure that they didn't do what the Assyrians did. But the point is the same. We want him to be loving to us, but not to them. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. A little dramatic, just a bit. And the Lord said, do you well to be angry? Like, why are you angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. You see, Jonah was banking on his relationship with father. He's like, okay, he sees that I'm upset about this. He's gonna make it right. He's gonna do that. But Father knows that some of us are hard-headed and need a little extra help to understand. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. He's happy now. He's like, oh, my God's going to take care of me. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, Jonah he might have needed a little medication. I don't know, but. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came in, 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 in the night and perished in the night. And should not I have pity, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. Okay, sometimes I, I get a giggle out of some of the things that are in the Bible. Like seriously, they don't know their right hand from their left. And so much cattle. We can be fully committed followers of Jesus and still miss the point. But God is faithful to help us. You see, Father's grace is generous, and Jonah forgot that when God shifts the dynamics of a situation, it begins with a revelation of his love for us as well as the love for others. God showed his love for Jonah by saving him. And he showed his love for the Ninevites by not destroying them. 
The challenging part of this story is that we can get on board with God's will for our lives, but still miss his redemptive plan for the whole world. We give ourselves grace because he's not done with us yet, but ignore the fact that he is still working in others as well. Yet he's faithful to meet us where we are and move us forward. And that's why we wrestle, because it allows us to grow, it helps us to grow. This message was confronting for me. There are people I've claimed to have forgiven, but all I've done is kick their offenses down the road. I know this because my mood shifts easily when I'm dealing with these people. I pick apart everything they say, everything they do, looking for malicious in intent. I reconciled my actions by saying I was being wise. But that was a lie. It was unforgiveness because my peace depended on them. They held my peace. And what would I do if the shoe was on the other foot? What if I made a mistake and I was not allowed to get out from under that mistake? And every time I did something, someone was looking for me to fail looking for me to make the same mistake again. What if God treated me that way? I even had to change the way I said the Lord's Prayer, where it says, you know, um, Father, forgive us for our sins. And um, instead of saying um, the same way that I forgive other people, I don't want people for the, to forgive the way that I forgive. I want people to forgive me the way Father forgives me. So I had to, you know, make an adjustment. Father, teach me how to forgive like you forgive. James 2.13, I have a shirt. I meant to bring it, but I forgot. James 2.13 reminds us that showing mercy is better than judgment. There are three places I have found this. Um... You may have read it where it says, um, mercy over sacrifice. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. Mercy. Mercy. Now, we should wrestle with this because we want, we want to grow. Everybody wants to grow. But I don't want you to wrestle with this enough to break your hip like Jacob. Okay? This is not condemning this is not condemnation this is a moment where you see yourself that father is he is showing you a place where you're not at peace did jonah sound like he was at peace he was angry he was frustrated he was not at peace father is trying to move us towards freedom and peace um this, the Holy Spirit has been teaching me about this for a little while, well before Bo even asked. And it's the only reason I said yes, because this is not my jam. <laughs> um, and during that preparation, I came across two messages that stuck with me. One, the reason that we hold offense or the reason we hold on to our anger and our bitterness is because we're looking for full restitution for pain and suffering, but it is, it is impossible 
for a person to give us that. You can say, I'm sorry. They can, they can do all manner of things, but it's not going to fully measure up to what you felt, your pain, your hurt. Only Father can give us that kind of peace and reconciliation. Only him. The second is a little cheesy, but it's a helpful reminder for me. I have an image for you here. Up there somewhere. It's up there. You have the image? Okay. If you have, okay, there we are. So if you have an issue with a product, there's usually a number or a website on the container. So if there is a rock in your cereal, you contact the manufacturer, you contact Kellogg, you don't contact Target or Kroger or wherever you bought it from. Those, that's not where you go to get full restitution for the rock that may have broken your, your filling or whatever. I like this one because it says 100% happiness guarantee. If you are not satisfied, satisfied with this true citrus product, or you simply have a question, please email us or call us. You contact the manufacturer. Okay, everybody's making that connection, right? The manufacturer is God. Yes, you take it to him. You take it to him. I invite you to cut one of these out. I promise you have one. If you buy a bag of Doritos, it's on there. And keep it in a place where it's easy to see. Let it remind you that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It is not flesh and blood. It is not your brother. It is not Sally, you know, in accounting. It is not. So when you see someone, remember Father's love for them, just like his love is for you. Don't choke them. I would like to end with a blessing. Wait, hold on. We need to take our pain and anger to Father because he gives us beauty for ashes. Because if we hold him ourselves or try to get emotional restitution from others, we end up choking on bitterness or like the servant, choking someone else. I see I had to slide that in there. So there's a blessing from Ephesians 3.16 that I would like to end with. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Amen. Thank you, Amanda. That was awesome. So you know your homework. Cut off the little tab on something and stick it up there for you to see to remind us that if there's issues, take it to the manufacturer, which is the father. I'm continuing to go there. Amanda challenged us to wrestle, but also to declare, right? To, to wrestle, where are you? What's the wrestle? But also, do you agree? in the declaration of the mercy of God. And so we've got some agreeing and we've got some wrestling to do. 
And so as, as, as people, we, we say we welcome it. So again, Amanda, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are, our heroes are among us, everyday people living like Jesus, and Amanda's one of those who holds up for us this. So one of the ways that we agree is in a communion. We come and we receive, we agree, we welcome Jesus welcoming us. And that's what communion says. In essence, it's God saying to us, I welcome you. I see no problem with you coming to my table. I, I invite you to your table. I welcome you. I want your company. And it's a communal affair. So not only is God saying that to us, he's saying it to the person next to us. And for all of us, it's a reminder. And so that's why I actually love when we do it around the table. But today we're going to be served. We're going to be served communion. And it's a declaration. It's a declaration of you being welcomed. But it's also in your eating, you're welcoming too. You're welcoming Jesus. You're welcoming mercy. You're welcoming God's goodness. You're like, I receive the gift free. So our eating and drinking is us welcoming. It's us receiving that declaration. It's us saying yes. And we also know that when we do it together, we are saying, look also else who God welcomes. And that might be the wrestle. And so it just, I, I love too, man, when you say I'm praying the Lord's prayer differently. I, I'm, I, and for some, they're like, wait a minute, you can't change the words of the Lord's prayer. And it's like, no, no, you're misinterpreting. You're making a confession. That's truth telling. So when she's praying the Lord's prayer, and when Jesus said, oh, uh, Lord, um, forgive me for my sins as I forgive the others of the sins, a man's like, I can't pray that because I don't want God to do that. So Lord, forgive Please um, forgive as you forgive. Let me, let me help me in that. That's a confession. And she's wrestling with that. That is awesome. And so may we, we, may we pray that, that as well. So let's do a couple things before we take communion. So I'm going to invite, um, I've asked some people to help with communion. Jesse and Bev, if you guys want to help over here. Petey, if you're in the room, you're going to, uh, we'll, we'll serve um, over here on the side. And we're going to invite you to come and receive communion today. And so we'll have two different rows. So if you're on this side, you can just exit whenever you're ready. Just come over here and um, we'll receive it. And if you're on this side, you can exit on this row, come over here and receive it. The bread is a ciabatta bread, so it's got gluten in it. But here in the middle is a gluten-free cracker. So if you're, if you're not doing gluten, you can grab one of these crackers to be able to participate in the juice's juice. So we'll, we'll do it that way. So, um, and the first song is a song that, as we worship, it's a, called, a song called Known that we're going to play the video. If you're on Facebook or Zoom, we, it, our meeting might get cut, shut down because of this song and things like that, but we, we welcome you to take communion as you're there. Um, but we'll play this song, and as if they're still on the line, Marty's going to lead us in worship as we, as we go out. And so, so the first thing we'll do is um, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. And let's pause on that part of, you know, there's tons of different ways to pray that part if you know the Lord's Prayer. Um, Father, oh boy, I can't pull, you know, it's, it's so rote, I'm like forgetting the line at the moment. 
forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins. Whatever version you pray, pray that. And that next line, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us, forgive those who've sinned against us, forgive those who have debts against us. Let's pause on that and pray the words that you need to pray to make it true. Let's be truthful as this act of confessing what might be true of us. So would you stand and let's, let's pray this prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Oh, Lord, forgive us as you forgive. Let us forgive others. However, let us pray this confession. As we're struggling to forgive, forgive us, Lord. Teach us how to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Let us wrestle and bring us freedom. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And one other thing as we're standing here to do, as we know that there's a declaration in taking communion, would you turn to the person next to you and just let them know the Father welcomes you. And if you haven't said it back to them, let them know the Father welcomes you too. And the Father welcomes you. The Father welcomes you. We're going to hit play on this song, and we invite you and welcome you all to come to receive Jesus' welcome and to welcome him by eating and drinking. When you come up, you can tear a piece of the bread off, grab a cup of the juice, and once you've got it, eat it and drink it. So you know those instructions once you've come up and you get that cup of juice and that piece of bread, eat it and drink it whenever you're ready. Father, thank you for these gifts and this table. Thank you for we know that there's so much richness in this practice of remembering your body broken for us and your blood shed for us as a demonstration of your love for us. Thank you, God, for providing for us. Amen.
And it's not one or the other It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known Fully known and loved by you I'm fully known and loved by you It's so like you to keep pursuing It's so like me to go astray Guard my heart with your truth The kind of love that's bulletproof And I surrender to your kindness Oh, I'm fully known And loved by you You won't let go No matter what I do And it's not one or the other It's hard truth Last grace to be known, fully known And loved by you I'm fully known And loved by you How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart? I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart?
Thank you again, Amanda. Thank you again. It was good to be with you. May we live in the reality of God's mercy and with the help of Jesus, extend mercy. Loving our neighbors as ourselves, as Jesus asked us. May you go in that peace and that strength. A couple of things. Uh, Amanda referenced one of her favorite teachers, Shane Willard. Um, you can watch a lot of his videos, but we've invited Shane. Shane's one of those teachers. If you invite him, he'll be like, okay, I'll come. When? you know, and just shows up. And so, which is so rare and so unique. So in May, on a Monday, Shane's going to be coming in May. I think it's like the May the 11th or it's a Monday in May. It's coming up. But that's part of one of the things we try to do to help um, lead us all into our calling, to our identity, to develop, to grow in whom God has made us. So that's happening in May, but as you heard too, October the 14th, it's a Saturday. So much of what Amanda was talking about was being able to discern what God's saying to us. And that can sound so foreign, so mystical, and maybe for some of you, even at times, abusive when people spoke for God over you in, in a way. But so when we talk about hearing from God, we're talking about you being able to do that and discern for yourself. For you to be able to incline your ear to a father who speaks like a good shepherd is what Jesus said. Sounds like a good shepherd. You know that voice. So we're going to be practicing and just creating room. And if you're like, wow, when's the last time you actually made some room and listened? We're going to be doing that in a practical, playful way on Saturday morning, October the 14th. Uh, donuts and coffee, 9 to 1030 and so we would say, if that's something you're wanting to grow in, or you always just love that room, come and be with us. God bless you. Have a, have a great Sunday.